Say good morning, good morning to you again, and uh, hope you'll pray for me during the time that we try to stand before you this morning. Um, when we were uh, here a week ago, part of the things that we talked about a week ago was, uh, you know, we look at a portion of scripture like Psalm 118, I think verse 24, where it tells us to today is the day that the Lord hath made, let us rejoice and be glad in it, and that uh, as we think about every day that we have, uh, having the opportunity to have a, a joyful heart and be thankful for what God has done in our lives. I think too many times we focus on the things that are not well and the things that are not going well and the things that, are, that don't feel well instead of uh, stopping and pausing and thanking God uh, for uh, His salvation and the fact that uh, if we just had to, if we can just take what for us is a long view but for God is a short view uh, and that is that uh, this, li- this life is not all there is here on, on earth and that everything that we, uh, that we have uh, from a natural standpoint will pass away uh, including us uh, and that uh, what, what counts above all those things are, e- are eternal things uh, uh, that will never pass away. So uh, last, uh, thinking about having a, a joy in the Lord, I, I think I'd mentioned to the folks here, to, to you, uh, that uh, we would begin taking a look at the uh, book of Philippians and trying to go th- go through that. But I want to reset the scene a little bit for you uh, because this letter that the Apostle Paul is writing uh, the church at Philippi, it's a church of Macedonia, uh, the Macedonian region, uh, and it's uh, a place where uh, the Apostle Paul had, you know, some, some really great experiences. And uh, he is now, uh, as he writes this, this letter, uh, you see him uh, headlining it. If you're turned there in verse 1, he says, Paul and Timotheus, servants of Jesus Christ to the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and the deacons. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So, He's writing to the people at Philippi, and the setting of the the letter that he's writing is the fact that Paul is now imprisoned, if you want to call it, house arrest, whatever he was there in uh, in Rome, uh, that he's actually has gone to Rome. We we go back to the book of Acts. We would find in the Apostle Paul's travels, uh, he was accusations were made against him in Jerusalem. Uh, they turned him over to the Roman authorities. The Roman authorities, you know, he finally appealed his case to Caesar. Uh, and they, they began, he began his journey to Rome uh, to go and appeal his case before Caesar that he had not broken any Roman law uh, to be accused of and so forth. So, uh, but his occasion, so the setting of his writing is the fact he's under arrest or under bonds in Rome. The group of folks he's writing to are in Philippi, Macedonia, which is in Asia Minor, uh, today, I guess it's probably what part of what we would call Turkey uh, in that part in that part of the world. Uh, and this is an area that the Apostle Paul had been sent to. Uh, if we read in Acts chapter 16, where we read last Sunday, uh, Acts chapter 16, Paul was thinking about going on a journey and suddenly a vision in the night appeared to him. And a man of Macedonia in that dream was saying, come to Macedonia, come over here. 
Uh, and so the, the next day, Paul, recognizing that this was a not just a dream, me and my wife were talking about it uh, uh, sometime in the last day or two. You know, it seemed like I've been really sleep, sleeping deeply and having, you know, and I've been dreaming about things. And she was telling she had had a scary dream. I'd had kind of, you know, whatever kind of a dream. Paul wasn't having those kind of things. He had a vision, <laughs> a vision from the Lord. And in that vision, uh, it said, the man of Macedonia was saying, come over here, uh, come over to Macedonia and help us. And so the, the apostle Paul went over to Macedonia. Well, you know, the, the apostle Paul by trade was a tent maker. Uh, the man from Macedonia wasn't saying, come over here to Macedonia. We need more tents made. He was saying, come over to Macedonia because there's a way you can help us that nobody else in the world can help us. He was going to preach the gospel. And this is where he encountered Lydia down by the uh, riverside. They'd gone down to the riverside to make... Uh, to have prayer on uh, the Sabbath day. And there was Lydia, a maker of purple. She's down there tending to things at the riverside. Paul begins to speak to her about the things of God. Uh, they had prayer. Her and her whole family uh, were baptized and joined the church. Uh, uh, or I, I guess there was no church, you could say, but they were baptized. Uh, then Paul and Silas are going around speaking there in the area of Macedonia that they were they were at which was obviously in uh, Philippi, uh, a city of Macedonia. They're going around preaching and teaching, and this lady is following them around uh, that had a spirit of divination in her, and she's crying out to them all the time. Well, this went on for a few days, and finally Paul turns around and rebukes the spirit that's in her, and it comes out. And the men that had been handling her, if you want to call it that, had been using her for profit or for gain by her uh, divination spirit that she had, they become mad at Paul and Silas and have Paul and Silas put in jail. Uh, so Paul and Silas, the, the Bible says, they were beaten with stripes and they were bound and put into the innermost part of the prison, uh, which would be the, the, far, the farthest end you could get so that they would not be able to get out. And the Bible records for us here in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts that Paul and Silas in the jail cell at midnight are singing songs of praise to God. I'll tell you, they, they've given a, a testimony of what, how you and I should be in a time where they were being persecuted not for going around doing evil, they were being persecuted for going around preaching the gospel and for Paul actually uh, actually doing this lady a favor, uh, casting this spirit out of her that didn't need to be in her. So he does all this and they land in jail. Paul uh, probably, and I, I, you know, you think about this uh, somewhat uh, uh, and, you, and you think about Abraham uh, and maybe some of the things that Abraham experienced in his life. Uh, Abraham's told as a, as a after uh, him and his wife Sarah had waited all those years to have a child uh, then God appears to Abraham and says Abraham I want you to take your son your only begotten son and I want you to go and sacrifice him on uh, Mount Moriah uh, and the Bible says you know Abraham rose up straightway in the morning and went to go do what God had asked him to do uh, and in all of this uh Abraham reasoned, and I'm going to put it that way. There's a lot of things, if I get off too far into that story, I may lose lose track, and I don't want to lose track. But, uh, but Abraham did what God said. Abraham had been told already by the Lord, Abraham, in thy seed, or in your child, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Well, Abraham knew God was a God that did not lie. 
And so God, so when God asked him to go and sacrifice his son, Abraham reasoned in his mind uh, that somehow uh, God was either going to spare his son uh, or that God would uh, raise him back up to life because God had promised him that in thy child shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And so Abraham went to do what God called him to do without hesitation, even to the point of taking, uh, uh, and we were, we were talking about some of this in the last day or two. Uh, here's, uh, here's Abraham. Here's his son. Uh, the son has the wood strapped on his back. Take a picture, if you will, of Jesus Christ going to the cross. Uh, here's a man carrying the wood uh, going up to Mount Moriah, the same, uh, same mount where Jesus was crucified at Golgotha on Mount Moriah. Uh, picture this young lad getting ready to go up the hill to Mount Moriah and he looks at his father and says, Father, we have the wood and the fire, but where's the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham prophetically said, God will provide himself a sacrifice. Not only was he uh, was he foretelling the fact that God was going to deliver his son and prophesying that, but he was also prophesying the fact uh, that G- that God would send uh, uh, his son uh, a lamb in in our place in our stead uh, and die for you and me uh, also. Uh, so Abraham, uh, Abraham, uh, by faith, went on up to that mountain. He made the altar. Uh, he laid his son Isaac on the altar. Uh, uh, and he'd gone as far as to draw back the knife when the angel of the Lord stopped him and said, uh, Take not uh, uh, thy child's life, uh, uh, but rather get this ram that's caught in the thicket over here uh, in the brambles uh, and the briars and the bushes uh, caught by his horns in those, uh, in those bushes over there. Oh, there's a pretty picture, isn't there? If you think about this, uh, God cursed the earth. Uh, uh, he, one of the curses he put on it, now the earth would bring forth thorns and thistles. Uh, now we have a, uh, a representative of the sin that Adam had brought into this world. Now the earth is cursed. Uh, <clears throat> now we have a ram caught over here in what? Thorns and thistles. Round his head. Oh, uh, and we've got a picture of Jesus Christ going to the cross. Uh, and what did they do? Uh, they put thorns and thistles on his head and made a crown for him. Uh, and he was caught there. Uh, the Bible says uh, that this ram was caught and couldn't escape. I'll tell you, our Lord couldn't escape his destiny on the cross either. Uh, he was going to the place uh, uh, that he was going to to be our substitute. Anyway, uh, so Abraham, uh, by by vision and inspiration, uh, knew that God had said, uh, your son's going to be the heir of the world. And so he reasoned, this child is going to come back to life. He said, well, Brother Charles, what does that got to do with Paul and Silas? Uh, I'm here to tell you, uh, I believe Paul and Silas were over there in that jail cell at midnight. Uh, and Paul's sitting there with his back beaten uh, and with his, with his, cha- uh, his hands in, in chains and bound in there. Uh, and uh, I believe Paul was saying, uh, I saw a vision. There was a man of Macedonia saying, come over here and help us. And that vision was from God. And I I don't know where that man is right now, uh, but I'm telling you, I'm going to praise God because he's brought me to this place for whatever reason that I might be a help uh, to someone in some way. Uh, And so there at the jail cell that night, uh, uh, they weren't singing Amazing Grace because it hadn't been written yet. But anyway, they were singing songs of praise, probably psalms of some kind uh, uh, to the Lord there in that prison. Uh, And suddenly an earthquake struck. 
And all the doors of the prison opened up, and all the all the bindings on the prisoners' hands were taken free. And that uh, and that jailer uh, uh, who had uh, who had been given charge by the Roman government there in that area to keep charge of these men, uh, the Bible says when he saw that the doors of the prison cell had flung open by this earthquake, he took the, he took his sword and was going to take his own life because he knew what his punishment would be, and he he had a, he made an assumption. He made an assumption that night when he turned and saw all those uh, doors flung open that everybody had escaped. So he went to take his sword out and take his own life. And Paul called out to him, take not thy life. We're all here. Uh, by the grace of God, you know, why were they all there? I, you know, I, that's a marvelous working of God's grace. Uh, I can understand maybe people of integrity uh, like Paul and Silas saying, I know the doors are open. I know the bindings are off. But I'm staying here. Uh, but everybody else did too. <clears throat> Come to find out. Now, I, I don't know. The Bible doesn't say this. But you sort of can get the idea. That, that somewhere in that vision. That Paul had. Maybe, that, maybe in that vision. It looked, like, it looked like, a lot like that Philippian jailer saying. Come over here and help us. And they all stayed, and by the grace of God, all the prisoners stayed. And I retell this story. I know we talked about this last Sunday. but I re- and, and so uh, he springs in there. He sees them all there. He gets a light, sees that they're all there. He takes Paul and Silas, and he washes their wounds, and he takes them to their house. And he asked, he asked uh, Paul, sir, what must I do to be saved? <laughs> and uh, Paul informs him, be baptized. And he was baptized with him and all of his family uh, uh, there that night. And, and I'm telling you this only because that was a special place to Paul and Silas. Uh, oh, you think about the experience they had. Suddenly he has a vision, come over here and help us. Uh, and he goes there and, the, and he meets a lady down on the riverside. She joins and her family. Uh, now he's in jail uh, and and suddenly the jailer and his family are joining the church and, 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 and believing in Christ and following after these things. And now Paul's in prison in Rome. House arrest, some people say. I, I think maybe yes. Uh, but he's in house arrest. He's under arrest there for, for uh, preaching and teaching the things of the gospel. And now while he's there, and, and historical record says the book of Philippians and, and the book of Second Timothy are two of the last letters probably that the apostle Paul wrote to, while he was still living. And uh, as, he, as he writes those to here, he writes back to this church at Philippi. And I think it's a couple of things. One, the church at Philippi had continued to care for the Apostle Paul, even in his journeys, and even had sent a man to him while he was in, under arrest at Rome. And so this this group of people at Philippi, uh, that no doubt were made up of people like Lydia, and the jailer, and his family, and the children of both of these families, and others that had come uh, to be a part of that church there at Philippi. And now he's writing back to them, and he's, you know, it's kind of like I can see this, uh, it's kind of like in one way, uh, it's kind of like a father writing to his children. And he's telling them in his old age how much he appreciates them. Telling them how much he appreciates what they've done, their care for him. He's writing to them, telling them that, you know, he has a joy for them. 
And not only does he have a joy for them, but he wants them to have a joy too in their service to God. And it also reminds me very much, and we may even take a look at some things in 2 Timothy, but it also reminds me of Paul's letter to 2 Timothy, in 2 Timothy to Timothy, uh, in that last letter to Timothy where he's telling him, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of me and, and my bonds and my prison and the things that I'm suffering. Don't be ashamed to be a servant of Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, that's a great message for us to hear today. Isn't it? Uh, as, as not only people that try to live uh, the right kind of life, uh, young children, if you're in school and you try to do what's right uh, before your fellow man, you try to be honest and you say, you know, Follow, follow after the things and the teachings of Christ and you, you're obedient to your mom and your dad and so forth and you try to do the things that are right. I'll tell you, other children will, make, uh, will begin to make fun of you, you know, if you talk about those kind of things around your friends and so forth. Uh, but I'll tell you, sometimes doing the right thing brings on persecution from those that don't, uh, uh, don't believe and follow the things that we believe. So Paul's writing this letter to the, to the church at Philippi and I think he's trying to encourage them He's trying to give them hope, and he's wanting them to have joy, and he's also telling them, don't let the things of this world drag you down. Uh, and so as we begin through this, that's, I want to just kind of set the scene for you as we start into this. So the Paul, Paul and Timotheus, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ." I know you read, I know you're like me. If you read some of these New Testament letters, uh, you'll notice every time Paul's greeting is very much the same to all the different churches uh, that he writes to. But I want you to notice the thought, or, or with me, notice the thought process. I don't know if I've said this before. If I have, okay, I'll say it again. Uh, but I want you to notice the thought process that he's, Paul's not just writing and saying, hey, uh, this is a letter from Paul. Paul recognized that he was under inspiration of Jesus Christ and of God the Father and of the Holy Spirit. And as he writes to them, he gives them greetings as if he's giving them greetings directly from the Lord to them. I'm telling you, that makes a difference in what you hear. Uh, you know, uh, I, I'm, I can tell you on a Sunday morning, uh, I, I fully, uh, I'm fully aware on a Sunday morning trying to preach the gospel uh, to God's people uh, uh, that a man, uh, a man like me, <laughs> or, or any man, uh, that we can become, uh, it, it's possible to, for us to be in the flesh. You know, when we're up here trying to deliver a message to, to the people that are assembled out here. Uh, but if we're reading God's Word and talking about God's Word and what God's Word says, and I'm not talking about being overly harsh or whatever, but I'm just saying recognizing the, the Word spoken when it's read from the Word of God, that it's from God. It's not Charles Kitchens up here uh, giving you my thoughts on what was going on, or uh, totally my thoughts, I guess, on what's going on at Philippi. I'm talking about what Paul's writing to them, and he's writing under the inspiration of God to these people. And when you begin to take the message uh, that it's a, a message from God to me on a Sunday morning, it makes a whole lot of difference how you receive it. Uh, if, you, if you're sitting there thinking, well, okay, that's just Brother Charles up there rambling on again for another Sunday. Uh, or if, if maybe this is something that God has impressed upon me through the Holy Spirit to talk about 
about having more joy, about rejoicing in the Lord, about seeing how these people under dire conditions were able to serve Paul and how to serve one another. And Paul's pointing them back toward, keep this in mind, keep this in mind. Paul writes as we get to this in a little bit, you know, what he says, to live is Christ. To die is gain. He said, I'm caught between the conflict here, uh, between uh, uh, twixt two. Uh, uh, it's better for me to go on and be with the Lord, uh, but it's needful for me to stay here with you. And I'll tell you, uh, as I've reached my 60s now, uh, whatever, uh, and you begin to think about it, uh, time begins to think, uh, our minds begin to think, and I begin to realize time here is short. Uh, and uh, as I as I told somebody back uh, back sometime or another, and, and many of us can say this this morning, uh, and none of the, none of us here know. Uh, if you, if you think about this this uh, this journey that we're on called life, we don't know how far along the journey we are. Uh, this could be my last day. <laughs> this could be the last day of my journey. Uh, but I know this without a doubt. Uh, being uh, when you reach a certain age, you begin to realize there's more uh, uh, more time in the rearview mirror uh, than there is out the windshield, uh, and uh, uh, there's not near as much road left in front of you as there is behind you. And Paul realized and thought about this. He he had seen the grace and the mercy of God, and he knew Jesus Christ is resurrected, seated on the right hand of the throne of God, and he had seen in visions. Uh, uh, the Bible talks about uh, Paul writing, "I knew." A man uh, uh, several fourteen years ago who, who was lifted up to the third heaven. Uh, he saw and heard things that were unspeakable for him to talk about. Paul, like much like John in Revelation, had been lifted up to heaven and seen things that he couldn't even describe very well, and heard things that he didn't fully understand. But he knew it was marvelous, right? Paul said, "Man, it'd be better, be better for me to go on." But God didn't call me to just be worried about me. <laughs> it's more needful for you that I stay and I preach and I teach and I deliver the message of God. So Paul's writing to these brethren, giving them greetings from the Lord Jesus Christ, from God the Father. He says, I thank God upon every remembrance of you. Wow. I know I read that before here a few weeks ago, but can you imagine saying that about so? Uh, I want you to ponder your mind. Ponder your mind for a moment and, and tell me who you know that you could write down and say, I thank my God on every remembrance of you. That's pretty good. <laughs> How many folks can we think of and say, I thank my God upon every, every time I remember and I think of you, I thank my God. All the memories I have of you are blessing from God. I remember how you took care of me uh, when I was in prison. I remember how you received the message of God when I preached it to you and uh, how you were baptized. I remember how you sent uh, uh, and cared for me while I've been journeying and you sent uh, Ephroditus to take care of me and bring me things while I've been here under arrest in Rome. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. <clears throat> Always, he says, at every prayer of mine for you, making requests... With joy. <laughs> I, have, I have the joy of praying for you. <clears throat> so, uh, is this where... Is, yeah, okay. So, th is this where I ask you uh, and ask me? I know I'm not just asking you. I'm asking... So, when you pray, is prayer a burden? 
or is prayer something you look forward to? Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, remembering always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you with joy. It's a joy for me to think about you and pray for you. Wow. I mean, you know, think about it. The, the, the magnitude of that just overwhelms me that he's thinking about these people saying, I, I thank God for my remembrance of you. And not only that, uh, I'm praying for you and I'm doing it with joy for your fellowship in the gospel. Uh, always at every prayer of mine for you, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. From the very first time I met, <clears throat> from the very first time I met you, Lydia, down there on the on the on the riverside, uh, from the very first time I met you, uh, Jailer, uh, uh, whatever his name was, uh, from the very first time I met you in that jail cell that night, and you came in and you tended to my wounds. I thank God upon every remembrance of you uh, and your fellow, uh, making requests for you and uh, with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day unto now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. Until the day of Jesus Christ. There's a, there's a pause maybe to, to take here to think about this. A lot of people today will teach about salvation and they'll talk about, uh, well, you know, if you, don't keep, if you don't toe the line, you can lose your salvation. The Apostle Paul writes to these people here and tells them, Paul says, I'm confident of this, of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Until the day you die, until the day you're in the presence of God and all these worldly things have passed away, your body has gone away, you've gone up to be with him, God's going to perform a good work in you right up to the very time you meet Jesus himself. Uh, and I want to tell you this morning, uh, God has begun a good work in you. Uh, have you been born of the Spirit of God? Have you, do, you, do you love God down in your heart? If you do, it's an evidence that you've been born of the Spirit of God. And if God has born you of His Spirit, you now have eternal life. Eternal life is not part-time life. Eternal life is not life you can lose. Eternal life is eternal. And if God has begun a good work in you, He'll perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I also believe He's talking about, you know, you can't look at this and say, well, what Paul was writing to those people there, Philippi had tell them was that, uh, uh, that he was was going to continue a good work there at Philippi until the return of Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, I got news for you. There's no church at Philippi today. Uh, the land's a Muslim country. <laughs> there might be, a, I don't even know if there's a historic church there or not. I don't even know if there's a monument there that there was a church at Philippi at some point in time. Uh, but, uh, uh, but if God has begun a good work in you, he'll perform it until the day. Of Jesus Christ, even as it is meet to me to think of think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye are partakers of my grace. The, this was a people that loved the Apostle Paul and cared for him and sent care packages to him. I'm going to say it that way. They sent goods to him. They provided for him and tried to take care of him, both uh, in the defense of the gospel, both as he went traveling free and both in his bonds. When he was, when he was bound and in prison, they were still 
going after and seeking after seeking after the things of Paul. These people appreciated the message that Paul had brought to them. And you've got to go back and look and think about uh, uh, most of those regions in there where the Apostle Paul was uh, preaching and teaching. I know there were Jewish uh, Jewish people that lived there that had a background in the gospel in many of the cities that he went in. But in many of the cities the Apostle Paul went and preached in, he was preaching to a people that were pagan in background. I mean, you go and look at, uh, and, and uh, uh, did not have, they were brought up under false gods and false teachings. And you can go over to Corinth and see where Paul's having to caution them about meats offered unto idols and so forth. Why? Because these were people that had been raised up around these types of things. And so he's having to uh, warn them about some of these some of these issues uh, well here in this case uh, Paul's saying uh, uh, he's confident uh, uh, that God's go- that begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ even as it is meet for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel ye are all ye all are partakers of my grace you have been helping me sending to me and taking care of me for God is my record how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Paul is now beginning to let them know what he's thinking about them. You've sent, you've taken care of me. I want to assure you, God, who's begun a good work in you, will finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. You've been a participator in my grace and have been a partaker in helping me in the joys of sharing the gospel. And he says, this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge... And in judgment, that, that word that my center column reference tells me that that word judgment means sense. I'm also going to tell you it probably means in a greater sense, uh, wisdom. That they might grow in knowledge and in wisdom. Can you imagine, uh, and I, I look at, at all of us out here this morning, what a great thing to think about that you might grow in knowledge of Jesus Christ and in wisdom of Jesus Christ. That's Paul's prayer to these people. And, and that you may approve things that are excellent. Uh, uh, and he, he gives a, uh, that differ, uh, he says, uh, that you may approve or uh, those things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ. So he's giving a prayer to them. I want you to grow in the grace and the knowledge and the wisdom of Jesus Christ that you may uh, make a difference between various things that need to be made a difference between in your life. There's wisdom and judgment to draw a difference between uh, good and evil and things that are right and wrong in our lives and that you might be sincere without offense. <clears throat> you know, a lot, of, a lot of people know how to be honest but they don't know how to be honest without offense. He's, his prayer for these people is that they would grow in the knowledge and grace of Jesus Christ and know how to be honest and sincere uh, without offense, without offending people in, do, in doing that. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, under the, under the glory and praise of God. So let's, let's just stop for a moment and pause here for a second and look at what he's praying for these people. Uh, he's praying for them that they might abound yet more and more in knowledge and in judgment or in knowledge and wisdom and knowledge and grace. Uh, that you may approve things that are excellent, that you may be able to discern or make a difference between things that are 
good, things that are not uh, not good, and that you may be sincere without offense until the day of Jesus Christ, and that you might be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and praise of God. One of the things that uh, and one of the things I've thought about recently is the fact, you know. Uh, <clears throat> The Apostle Paul goes on here later in, the, later in this letter, and he makes the comment. He says, I was, uh, I was born of the, the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day. I'm a, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees and so forth. The Apostle Paul kept the law growing up. <clears throat> but here, Paul, Paul doesn't write to the Philippians and say, I want you to be a legalistic Pharisee and keep all these laws. There's a difference between being a law follower and bearing fruit in the name of Jesus Christ. And he goes on and talks about this. I want you to bear fruit of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ. Me and you would have to acknowledge sometimes if we're being honest with ourselves that within me, that is within myself, within my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Uh, the only thing that's good in me, uh, my friends, is Christ in me, the hope of glory. And when Christ in me, the hope of glory, the Spirit of God which dwells within me helps me to overcome this outer man. And I'm able then to bear fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ. Do I get the glory? Or do I give the glory to Jesus Christ, which helps me to bear fruits of righteousness? You follow what I'm saying? As we're doing these things, uh, uh, don't do it so I can check off this list and say, I kept this law today. Here a few weeks ago, I preached on the fact that in the uh, 13th chapter, 15th chapter of the book of John, uh, Jesus Christ was uh, talking to people there and telling them, uh, talking to his apostles and telling them, a new law I give unto you. That new law is love one another as I have loved you. Uh, love one another. Sacrificially love one another. Uh, well, so do we, follow the thought, do we go around and say, well, I love other people. Uh, I did this today and I did that today and I, I did, or are we saying, I was able to do that because of Jesus Christ. It's just a different way of us approaching and thinking about it. Was I able to do this not because I did this, because Christ in me helped me to, to bear fruit of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. So he, as he's praying for these people here, he's wanting them to uh, make a difference between things that are good and bad and uh, grow in the knowledge and wisdom of God and bear fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, under the glory and praise of God. Why are you doing this? Uh, uh, be a light. Let your light so shine among men that men may see your light and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Uh, that that might be that as you bear fruits of righteousness, it might be to the praise of God. And not to the praise of Charles. Uh, let it be to the praise of God. God was able to work in me today. God was able to help me. God was able to help me do this. And I give all the, all the praise, all the glory, all the credit to Christ in me. So being filled with fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, under the glory and praise of God. And I, but I would you should understand, brethren, the things which happen to me are fallen rather into the furtherance of the gospel. <coughs> 
Paul, Paul had this outlook. Uh, he knew God was with him just like God had been with him in, uh, in his journey uh, in the vision where he saw the vision of the man of Macedonia say, come over here and help us. Paul recognized that as he was on this journey uh, and as he was in Rome and he was under bonds and under house arrest in Rome, that God was with him. And listen to how he describes it here. He says, I would that you should understand, brethren, the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather to the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest at all the palace and in all other places. Uh, and many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul says, I'm under arrest. But hey, guess what? God has worked this situation so that now uh, people able to see the grace of God and the glory of God in the palaces, in Caesar's palace. Uh, not in, uh, that's not Caesar's palace in Las Vegas. Uh, that's uh, in the palaces of Caesar, uh, uh, which were over in Rome at that time. Uh, they were able to see uh, uh, that, uh, he says, it's fallen out to the furthest of the God. I've had an opportunity to speak to men that are in the palaces of Caesar that are part of his, uh, maybe part of his soldier, maybe part of the leadership. I've had an opera. It's, it's all fallen out. God has worked this thing so that the gospel is furthered uh, because of my being in Rome and being unbonds. And many of the brethren, seeing that the gospel has been furthered uh, and that even though Paul is in bonds, he says they've become more bold uh, to speak the word without fear. Now listen to what he describes next. He says, some indeed preach Christ, uh, even of envy and strife. Okay, and so that even of kind of needs a little bit of an explanation because he says, for some indeed preach Christ uh, for jealousy, uh, because they're jealous of those things, or for strife. He says, and some also of goodwill. Some actually do it uh, because they because they want to, uh, and out of the goodwill toward others. And the one he says, one is preaching Christ of contention, uh, of strife and contention, not sincerely supposing to add to our to add affliction to my bonds. So. Even though there were people that were becoming more bold to speak to the gospel, all of them didn't have the right motivations for speaking the gospel. Some were doing it uh, out of jealousy reasons. Some were doing it out of strife reasons. Uh, Some were doing it out of goodwill. And he says, one's even doing it for contention uh, because he thinks by doing this, he's going to add to my bonds and my trouble and my suffering during this time, which I'm in this situation already. But he says, but the other of love, knowing that I'm set for the defense of the gospel. Paul takes the big picture approach to it, right? Uh, And I'll tell you today as we look, and I've said this before, probably talking about this same portion of Scripture. I can can surely say, uh, you know, when I think about my brothers and sisters in Christ and I think about the other churches of this area, uh, there are those that I don't agree with on how they teach how salvation occurs. But I I do agree with them. Jesus Christ is the Savior. 
I agree with them that Jesus Christ is the reason uh, that we'll be there one day. Uh, they, they might have, believe that uh, the only way that Jesus Christ's death on the cross is effective to you is that for you to believe or for you to confess or for you to come forward or for you to have faith uh, or whatever it might be. Uh, but I'm, I'm here to tell you, I believe Jesus Christ was effective on the cross uh, whether I ever came to know about it or not uh, because all that the Father giveth to me shall come to me. Uh, and Father, uh, I, as he's praying to them, uh, as he's praying there in John 17, uh, he said he prays that he might give eternal life to as many as the Father had given him. Uh, so I don't believe Jesus Christ was up there attempting uh, to try to save people. Uh, I believe Jesus Christ actually saved people on the cross by his shed blood. Uh, and, uh, uh, and I've said this before, but maybe even more so, as Brother Adam's been going through Leviticus, you can begin to see the picture over there in the Old Testament. Uh, that priest went in once a year to make an atonement for the sins of the people. Uh, and he went in. He had to cleanse. And, and we re, and I realized Jesus Christ didn't have to go and make all the offerings and cleanse himself uh, because he didn't have sin like that high priest did, okay? But he went in there and he offered that uh, uh, that ram for the offering for the people. And he also laid his hands on the one and sent it out into the, uh, uh, to the uh, uh, land beyond uh, any region of that area so that their sins might be carried away to a country to a far country uh, and uh, and when that work was done and when it was complete and when the blood had been sprinkled on the mercy seat and around the altars and all those things that had to be done uh, the, the high priest didn't come back in and say well now if you believe uh, that this is for your sins uh, uh, then uh, then this sin your sins will be covered no what the high priest did was covering their uh, sins for another year whether they believed it or not Right, it was for all the sins of Israel that he went and uh, went and made that sacrifice. And that ram, if God accepted it, it was effective. Uh, and that's all symbology. I know it didn't actually take away their sins and so forth, but it was a symbol of what Jesus Christ was going to do upon the cross. If God accepted the sacrifice and he accepted the one that made the sacrifice, the high priest that offered it, if he was clean and had cleansed himself properly, and if the sacrifice was right, God accepted the sacrifice, things were carried forward for another year. And I'll tell you, that's a perfect picture of what Christ accomplished on the cross. A perfect picture. It's not, uh, it's not, it's a, uh, and I say perfect, I know there's a little, little nuances. You can look at the way the law is different and so forth, but, uh, uh, but it's a picture of that ram and that lamb that was offered. And I'll tell you, it didn't depend on the work of the people. It depended on the work of the high priest and the acceptance of that offering by God the Father. And that's exactly what happened for us on the cross. Uh, notwithstanding the Apostle Paul. So, okay, so there are people that believe differently than we believe about what was accomplished on the cross. Okay, uh, exactly. So he says, but then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached... And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. I'll tell you today, uh, we ought to rejoice if Jesus Christ is being preached. Uh, if Allah's being preached, I might have reason to frown. Uh, if Buddha's being preached, uh, I might have reason uh, to really frown. Uh, if others are being preached, uh, I might have reason to frown. Uh, but if Jesus Christ is being free preached, uh, whether in pretense or in truth... 
I can be glad at least Christ is being preached. Uh, and that, I think that's a good way for us to look at it. Do I want everyone to come to a full knowledge of what Christ did on the cross? Amen and yes. Uh, I believe uh, uh, the more we know and the more we understand, the more we praise God properly uh, for what he did. Uh, well, but Paul rejoiced even out of those that were doing it for jealousy, uh, for strife, for contention, or whatever it might be, even those that were trying to bring further affliction on Paul, Paul says, at least they're out there preaching Christ uh, and doing that. He says, for I know, uh, for I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest ex- expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by my life or my death. Paul was saying, saying, I know this, uh, uh, that that this shall turn to my salvation or my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Paul says it's all going to be all right. Whether whether I'm in bonds and and Christ is being preached uh, and in nothing, he says, I shall be ashamed with all boldness as always. Christ will be magnified in my body whether it's by my death or by my life. That's something that you and I ought to strive for as we, as we go forward each and every week. You know, if I, if I die today, not re- I, I don't want to today. Uh, <laughs> uh, but if I were to die today, uh, could people look back and say, you know what, there's one thing I know about this man or this lady or this person. Christ was magnified. Christ was glorified. Christ was in their life, and I saw it in them. Paul in bonds didn't go around whining and complaining about being in bonds. What he did uh, was even in the palaces of Caesar, uh, he went about preaching the gospel. He went about showing, and I, I'll uh, guarantee you, Paul conducted himself like a man that was a follower of Jesus. Jesus Christ in their presence. He spoke properly to the authorities. Uh, he kneeled when he needed to kneel. Uh, uh, he spoke uh, well when he needed to speak well. And when he had opportunity, he talked about Christ. Uh, Paul presented himself well. And whether, in his, and whether it be by his death or by his life, Christ might be magnified. And he says, uh, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Uh, what a beautiful outlook, Right? When we think about all the things that we're facing today, uh, people that we know with cancer, people that we know with uh, cancer, people that we know with cancer, isn't that the the theme today, right? I mean, that's the theme of modern America. Well, this person has cancer, this person has cancer, this person has cancer, this one over here has cancer, uh, and this one has Alzheimer's, and this one over here has uh, this, and this one has, uh, you know, and... uh, and as we get older and older, there's more of those things that kind of crop up and appear. So anyway, uh, but Paul, Paul looks at this, he says, for me to live is Christ. In other words, if I get to live, live Jesus Christ is what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be talking about him. I'm going to be living for him. I'm going to be telling people about him. To live is, is, is about Christ. But he says, you know what? To die is actually gain. And I'm, I'm, I know I'm putting the actually in there and saying it that way. But he says, to live is Christ, to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what shall I, uh, what shall, shall, 
shall choose, I, I know not. So what shall I choose? He says, I don't know. He says, for I'm in a, I'm in a straight twixt two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide, with, uh, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Paul said he was in a straight betwixt two, but I think he had made his decision. Paul had made his decision. If there was any way Paul would, could, could have been turned free in Rome, or if he had been turned, you know what Paul would have done? I, 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 can, I think I can say, I know I can see this in, in the Word of God. Paul would have gone to Philippi. He longed to see those people again. He longed to see how they were doing. He longed to preach the gospel to them again. He longed to share these things with those people again. But he says, you know what? For me, if I die, he says, to, you know, if I die, he says, uh, I get to be departed to be with Christ. This is far better. <laughs> but far better for me, nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Sometimes when we get... Sometimes when we get weary in our journey and we're looking around and say, you know what, uh, boy, if I died today, it'd just be great. But, you know, then we look around and say, you know what, I've got a wife and I've got children and I've got grandchildren and I've got brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and all these kind of things. You know what, it's more needful for me to stay here if God will grant me the grace and grant me the ability to stay here and to serve and to serve him while I'm here. Uh, yeah, it's better. Boy, can you imagine? Uh, every day, I don't, I don't have to hear uh, what's going on in the political world. I don't have to hear what's going on with the debt. I don't have to hear about taxes. I don't have to hear about death. I'm actually just in the presence of God, and it's all about life and joy and singing and glory. And you say, man, this is wonderful. I don't have any troubles, no problems, no worries anymore. <clears throat> Boy, that sounds good. But you know what's actually more needful for me to stay here right now? And be with, be with family and friends and help and do. And you know what? If I stay here and I do, I'm serving Christ while I'm here. And I hope, to, I hope to God and pray that that's your thought, our thoughts, as Paul was praying for the church at Philippi, that they might do it with joy and not with sorrow. May God bless you to think about some of these things while we're here. Let's, uh, let's, let's have our motivation that we might bear fruits of righteousness for him while we're here. And that we might, uh, 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 be, whether we live or whether we die, it's all about Christ. May God bless you is our prayer. Uh, may God bless you.